Welcome to the Clinician Researcher Podcast, where academic clinicians learn the skills to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. As clinicians, we spend a decade or more as trainees learning to take care of patients. When we finally start our careers, we want to build research programs, but then we find that our years of clinical training did not adequately prepare us to lead a research program. Through no fault of our own, we struggle to find mentors, and when we can't, we quit. However, clinicians hold the keys to the greatest research breakthroughs. For this reason, the Clinician Researcher podcast exists to give academic clinicians the tools to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. Now, introducing your host, Teosi Onwemina. Welcome to today's episode of the Clinician Researcher Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Onwemina, and I'm super excited to be bringing you today's guest, Dr. Latifat Akintunde. I, I, I messed up your name. Dr. Latifat, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me here. It's a pleasure to come hang out with you, spend time with you, and hopefully add some value to your audience. No, I'm super excited because... As you know, this is a clinician researcher podcast, so lots of academic clinicians listen here. And and I guess the question I would ask myself is, what is a financial guru doing on the show? Well, I I, I want to introduce you because you're super cool, and I want to say that Dr. Latifat, to everyone who's listening, literally just came back from a year gallivanting around the globe, and she's able to do that because she's financially independent. And uh, so I want to just pause and let her introduce herself and tell us how she was able to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I love that. You know that I love that you talk to clinicians and researchers, especially. And the reason why I love that is because I think that their work is so important. And so, first of all, in case people that are listening don't get to the end of the episode, thank you for what you do. So like you mentioned, I'm Dr. Latifat. I'm a physician. I'm a gastroenterologist and also a mama of three little ladies. We're based in California. I am married. We've been married for about 12 years now. And I have the honor and pleasure of being the founder of MoneyFeedMD, which is a platform that's 100% committed to helping physicians learn money, know money, grow money, and really live their life on their terms. So when we're talking about clinical researchers, or we definitely want our people to be able to practice on their terms because your work is so important. When you burn out, it's not good for us. It's not good for the world. But my journey didn't start here. My journey started about, I mean, you could say my journey started about when I was born, but I moved to the United States in 2022, grew up in Nigeria. I knew zero about money, like absolute zero. The only thing, the only financial education that I got when it came to money was there is this amazing thing called a credit card. You can use it whenever you want and you don't even have to pay it up. Just pay whatever, like the minimum payment and you can buy anything. Like that was literally all of my financial education. And so, you know, I went through life with undergrad, with med school. I did uh, undergrad in LA, med school in San Francisco, New York for residency, and then back to California for fellowship Sacramento. And I've stayed on in Sacramento since then. We had our first kid. In my third year of residency, and so by the time I was a fellow, I had my second kid. And what all that migration means was that I had a bunch of debt, (laughs) that I was moving around with student loans, 
And, you know, I really wasn't splurging or living it up or whatever like that. But I also had family responsibilities even before I had kids or got married. And so here I was living my dream of almost becoming a physician, an attending physician, a gastroenterologist where I can finally do the work of my life. And I looked around, I looked at my attendants, and I'm so, so glad that I saw that there was burnout. I saw that attendees that were criti- like incredibly smart people that loved humans, shoulders were slumped, not advocating for us like they could have advocated for us, and it just felt like they had no choice. And these were not just clinicians only, but these were also researchers as well, right? And we know the reputation of, of researchers being underpaid even more than clinicians in medicine, and especially being a procedural field, you end up having a higher likelihood of being underpaid. Right. So I can now even imagine me going as a clinician, but I can also imagine me if I was doing a research oriented career, how I would literally feel like, what the heck is going on? How am I supposed to survive? How am I supposed to really leave this dream, like this pinnacle that I now finally achieved of becoming an attending physician? How does this not become the biggest regret of my life? That was the question that I had that literally led me down the path of learning money for myself and eventually now let's money fit MD. I'm sure we'll talk more about that and the travel sabbatical that my family and I took, which was incredible. And I highly recommend it at home. (laughs) Oh, thank you. So Dr. Latifat, many of us go into academics because we just don't want to worry about money. We don't want to care about the business side of money. And yeah, we know we're a little bit underpaid. Actually, we don't know. When we go to for the job negotiation, it's like, holy cow, it's this low. But, you know, to some extent, we're feeling like we're choosing between having, you know, the job that we really are dreaming of as an academic versus having enough money. How do we balance that? Absolutely. I think that's a really important question. And, you know, to be honest with you, even as a as a gastroenterologist, there is difference between what a luminal gastroenterologist versus a hepatologist. And then now if you're a hepatologist doing research, which hepatology can be research heavy, you can now imagine what the difference in that will be. But I think you bring up a really, really important point, which is that many of us went into medicine, not because of money. We went into medicine to serve people and researchers are going into medicine to make a difference, right? They love being stimulated as well. Like, it's like, what am I going to discover? That curiosity part of us, right? Or, you know, part of all of us. And unfortunately, it looks like there is a cost to it. And I do agree that to every decision that we make, there is always an alternative that we have to say no to. But I don't think being broke is that option that we need to say no to or feeling cheated. And part of that is going to be unlearning the things that we've learned before unlearning the assumptions that we've made before, learning the good things from those that have gone before us, but learning that it's our responsibility to do better for those that are coming after us. So that goes down to even things like negotiations. Like a lot of times we don't think that there is room to negotiate what we offered. We take it because if you, God forbid you negotiate, they're going to think you don't care about those research positions. They're going to think you don't care about the advancement of science. They're going to think you don't love humans. I see loving humans, loving science, and wanting to be kind means that we have to like sign on a line of like, I'm going to be poor forever. You know, and honestly, this is not just in academic setting only. It goes even far zoomed out into the world where, you know, a lot of us have stories when it comes to money that we tell ourselves. 
And the stories we tell ourselves are the result of things that we've seen, that we've learned, not even just taught only. So for example, thinking things like, if you want to do good, then you have to be willing to not be paid for it, right? Or if I, people that have money are greedy, they don't care about humans because I am choosing to be underpaid because I care about humans, right? And we can see how that becomes self-perpetuating, not just for ourselves, but even to like our kids and our grandkids and our cousins and our nephews and our nieces and all the people around us that we can potentially um, impact. So the very first step is going to be questioning the beliefs that we already have when it comes to things like money, questioning the beliefs that we already have when it comes to negotiating, understanding that you asking for fair pay, you asking for good pay isn't a sign of greed. In fact, you not asking is a sign of you cheating yourself. And how is that a good thing for the world, right? How is that a good thing for the world? So number one is understanding that you can negotiate. And is it going to feel uncomfortable? Yes, it will feel uncomfortable if you've never done it before. But then the next step of that is also understanding, too, that the fact that you're earning money as a researcher doesn't mean you can't do anything else. And in fact, I'm a huge believer of the fact that when we diversify how we earn, it decreases burnout. It also will help us and help our patients because now we're not dependent on that one income for our survival, which means that we actually get to explore our creativity a little bit more. We get to pursue the questions that inspire us because you're like, you know what? I have money coming from other sources. So even if this one is weak and I really think that the question that I have is a great one, I'm willing to pursue that question research-wise, understanding that I'm not going to suffer. My kids are not going to be suffering. My future, my retirement is not at stake here. And I do believe that when physicians have the finances to be able to create the life that we want, it's literally going to change not just bedside medicine, but also even research because we get to ask the questions that we really know are important, even if there isn't a lot of like big money supporting it because we're self-sufficient and all that good stuff. So that's my thought. No, thank you for sharing that because I think many clinicians, many researchers are saying, well, I really want to do the research, but gosh, I've got to pay the bills. And so people quit because they feel as if it's one or the other. But you're saying that people can continue to do research and still be able to diversify their income sources. Can you talk about what that could look like? Absolutely. So number one is that, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But the other thing that I want to point out as well is as physicians, we're so good at tolerating pain and we're so good at hoping that people can read our mind. And we're so good at like bottling things inside that we don't use the power of our voice. So between doing the work that you're doing and quitting, there is a big room there that we, a lot of times we're not utilizing, which is the power of asking. Asking, understanding that it may be uncomfortable to ask, understanding that it may be uncomfortable for the other person that you're asking, but discomfort is the currency to change. Without discomfort, nothing changes, nothing. The best things in our lives happen on the other side of discomfort. I mean... Your audience are experts at discomfort. There, Many of them are like MD, PhDs. They're doing research. Their experts are sitting down and waiting for the results to happen, right? Though I remember in undergrad sitting down in like the lab, waiting for those cultures to grow. Like we are good at being patient for the right things. But what we don't necessarily do is advocate for ourselves because we think it's greedy. And so I don't, my thing is, I don't think everyone quitting is a solution to the problem, but if we could empower ourselves 
build things like building our emergency funds, learning to diversify, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But there is that big gap between doing the job and quitting the job. And that area right there is the asking that I think is underutilized by a lot of people in academia. And I, I mean, we all train in, not all, but I trained in academia. I was like, you know, undergrad was UCLA. I went to UCSF. I went to Mount Sinai. I went to UC Davis. So, you know, very, very big center. So I definitely know us. And I know that I got a lot of the things too. And those were things that I had to unlearn so that I could be a better physician. I could be a healthier parent. I could be a healthier human and hopefully serve my patients better for the long term. But back to the question you asked. I got a lot to share with y'all. So what do I mean by diversifying your income source? I think a lot of times that sounds like loss, okay? Um, and what I want most everybody that's listening to understand is that most people that are listening actually have diversified income already. And what I mean by that is if you think about the fact that you invest in your retirement account, that is diversifying. You're investing in the stock market and you're saying, I don't want to exchange my time for money here. I want you to work for me, but I've decided that I want that money in future, maybe when I'm in my 60s. So most people that are listening are already diversifying. But what I find is that many times we don't know that, number one. But number two is we don't, our goals and what we want, like what we're doing and our goals are not aligning together. So if the only thing that you're doing is, in, is investing in stock market in a way that gets you money when you're 65, it's doing that. It's doing exactly what, it to, what you told it to do. But if you're trying to increase that now, then you have to do things differently. And there are different ways of doing that. What I always remind people is there are low-hanging fruit ways and there's some other ways that require taking one or two steps further. The low-hanging fruit way is what you're already doing with the stock market, right? Many times we're investing in stock market for the long term, but you can also invest for the short term. Yes, there is variations in the market. Like you can literally say, I want you to pay out whatever my investment is growing. I want to use the money right now. I want the money in my bank account right now. You will be taxed on it. But again, if your goal is to have money right now, it's an option. I personally don't do that because I like to have a lot more fun. And the fun that I like to have is I like to, having fun with real estate. And the reason why I like, I call it fun is because I used to think it was scary, but then when I replaced it with like, it's fun, that actually helped me take action more. And there is no one size fits all. It's not a get rich quick scheme, but it's something that can help physicians also do more with their brains outside of the examination room. So whether it's investing actively, meaning that you own the real estate and you are providing that as a resource to people that need it, or you're investing passively where you're like, okay, this is all great let's eat that, but I don't think I want to spend my time that way. But do you know people that are decent humans that are not going to like destroy the community that maybe I can, you know, whatever your goals are, maybe that's not your goal. Maybe you're like, I don't care. Like there are people, there's something for everybody. But maybe I can partner with those people. Let me put my hard-earned money into their hands and let them do the work of finding the property, finding the tenants, changing the tenants, doing all that stuff. And that's what you call like passive income through real estate and doing things like syndications. You know, so there are those things. And the other thing I like to tell people is this. One thing that we as physicians forget about is that our brain is an asset. None of us were born physicians. We chose to spend some time to 
learn one of the hardest skills to learn. One of the skills that takes the longest to learn, which is mastering medicine and being a researcher. And we did that. And now we are doing what we're doing because we learned that skill. The skill we've learned is one of the skills that takes the longest to learn. So there is no other skill that's going to take as long as what you've already done. Right. And so the question becomes like, what are those things that you enjoy doing that can solve other people's problems so that you can earn through that? Right. You may go, I don't have any, but maybe you can learn. I did not know how to do real estate. I did not know how to build a business. I did not know how to teach the, the money part because I was literally doing it for myself to improve my life and my friends. And then people were like, let's see fat. We need help. You know the stuff. Teach us. And that became a problem that I was helping people serve, solve, and still solving. And now I can earn through that, right? I will give you an example of a woman physician in my community. You know, you know the women in my community. Badass woman physician. Amazing. We all are badass, but really, really amazing physician. Cares about her community. And her goal is to impact her community through seeing them in clinic. And for her, she thought she was going to do that forever. So like a lot of researchers that are doing the work of their life, they're like, I find joy and fulfillment and I'm willing to take a pay cut so I can keep doing the work that I'm meant to do in this world. And that was her, but in a clinical setting until she went on maternity leave and then came back from maternity leave and was found to have some health stuff that she needed to go take care of urgently. And so she asked for time off and guess what they did? They fired her instead. They fired an amazing, well-trained, excellent physician instead, instead, instead. No reports of lack of professionalism, one of the only physicians in that setting, and was told, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go because you have overused the time that you could take off. And it's like, this is, that was maternity leave. This is an urgent, I mean, our lives are like, listen, guys, I don't care how amazing you are, if you die, you're dead. You're dead. And this is something that had the potential of being, of them losing their potential lives on. So they took care, she took care of this, but they literally walked her off premise, walked her off premise. And that was it. And this is a breadwinner that was willing to be underpaid to serve her community, just like a lot of your audience. But what she did was this. She is, you know, is in our community and really pivoted. She was like, okay, how can I earn my spouse is a take-home, you know, as a stay-home dad, serving our kids, how can I pivot? And so I was like, we got to move. So diversified our income really quickly, invested in real estate, started earning with that, started our own micro practice, got a part-time work clinically where she, in her words, negotiated for more money than she'd ever thought a primary care doctor could ever make, all because she chose to pivot. And then what happened is this, the love that she has, the heart that she has to serve her people has now morphed into something different where she now launched her own tea line. And she's now in like, I think maybe three or four, I want to say physical stores. And she was just celebrating recently. She's like, I did not imagine that a store would ever pay me money. Like, and now I'm getting paid because I'm creating this tea line, serving people, educating about my culture. And now she's teaching physicians also how to incorporate herbal health into their practice so that they can benefit from learning that alternative, quote unquote, doesn't have to be separate from the more traditional stuff that we've been taught, right? So that's the power of understanding that you are literally one skill away 
and understanding the changing mindset of how can I learn a skill that can solve people's problems, that they can thank me for solving. And in exchange for that, I get to get paid. But that doesn't have to be you doing research or this. And in, in my opinion, when we actually diversify what we do, it decreases our burnout. And I've seen that in my own life. I've seen it in the life of the doctors that I've had a chance and just the privilege of serving. And I wish that every physician would wake up to the fact that we're not a one trick pony like I used to think I was too. Great. Okay. Well, Dr. Latifa, thank you. That's very well said. We're not one trick ponies. We absolutely can do this. And we've learned the hardest thing. We've done medicine. We, we've done residency. We've done fellowship. We can do this. So where do people go to learn? Where do people go to learn? Tell us about your community and how you serve women in this way. Absolutely. One of the easiest ways for people to learn is podcasts. Just listening. Just optimizing the time that we already have. So one of the things that people say is, I don't have time. I am busy. And what I've found is that we have time for the things we choose to have time for, right? But we don't understand that. We think we need all the time in the world, but I always ask people, just start where you can start from. So one easy way to do is like listen to podcasts. I have a podcast called the Money Feed MD podcast where I talk about how people can learn money, build their net worth, and grow their wealth from the inside out. That is something you can listen to on your commute, right? Books. Find a book or two. The one that I wrote for women physicians is called Done With Broke, The Woman Physician Guide to More Money and Less Hustle. There are other books out there. There's one that I love called Your Money or Your Life. Like literally when we start to understand that when it comes to money, it's not about greedy or not greedy. It's about am I letting my money work for me so that my money can help me live the life that I'm supposed to live so I can impact the people that I'm meant to impact. Because whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you're meant to impact more than just the people you're serving right now. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but when I think about the humans that you're going to teach as well, how to be better with whatever, whatever skill it is, whether it's like explaining money, giving money, spending money on them, the housekeeper you're going to spend money on, the person you're going to tip at the restaurant, like those are the effects of you having money that's going through you. If you're like, I wish I could help change the world, I could put my money into the things that I care about, but unfortunately I don't have money, how is that serving the world? Right. So the more you understand that this is not just about your money as in the, the paper amount, this is about the impact that you can make on a daily basis in your life. You understand that you have no choice but to learn. But I will tell about my community as well. I have a community that is specifically for women physicians. And this is where women that want to learn about money in a safe, shame free, guilt free, judgment free zone can come. It doesn't matter if you're new to money. It doesn't matter if you're seasoned with money. If you're like, I don't even know what a 401k is. That was me seven years ago. I didn't know any other stuff, right? And so what we've done is we've curated an amazing village where you can come and learn the money knowledge, like literally the 20% you need to achieve 80% of success. But it doesn't end there. You get the education, you get the community, you get the coaching. That's what I offer for women physicians. But I also offer things like webinars that may be free webinars for people that are not ready yet to like take the jump into getting into a coaching community. And in fact, right now we're recording this in a week where I'm doing a money challenge where women physicians join us for a super low cost and they can make money moves over five days. But all those information you can find on my website, which is moneyfitmd.com. But the easiest place to go start right now 
go listen to the podcast, start changing what you're listening to, right? Most of us, we're listening to things that's not helpful. We're listening to our doubts. We're listening to like stories about why we cannot do this, what we don't have, what we lack. We're listening to stories from academia that says money is the root of evil. If you ask for money, you're greedy. I see it doesn't take money to run hospitals. Like why do hospitals charge your patients? Why do they charge patients? Because they understand that it's not just about the money only, it's what they're able to do because they can charge, they can pay the doctors, they can pay the nurses, they can be sustainable so that they're not just here today, but they're here for the long haul. So they're onto knowledge that unfortunately they're not letting physicians get from that knowledge. And it's the fact that money in your hands is a great thing for the world. So we have to change what we're hearing so that we can be transformed literally like the Bible says, but by the renewal of our minds every single day so that when we change how we think, we can change who we are, evolve to the next version of ourselves that have in this world. Thank you so much, Dr. Latifa. This is really good. I want to ask you a question about why why women though? Why why are you focused just on women? Because I like us. Is that enough answer? Uh, no. <laughs> so the reason why is because there's something, you know. I by the way, my podcast, I have Men listen to my podcast. I have non-physicians. I get messages from men. I get like literally men, non-physicians. So it's available for anybody that wants to listen to it. In fact, some of my biggest fans, they're like, if I post anything, they're like, Latifa, thank you for this. They're men, right? So it doesn't mean they cannot learn from me. However, what we've found is that there is disparities. The same way there is disparities between people that are in academia versus non-academia people that are proceduralists versus not proceduralists, there's also disparities that we find that is between men and women when it comes to how we may be getting paid or reimbursed uh, in the healthcare setting. There was data showing that over the course of our career, average women will get paid seven figures less than men over the course of their career. And that is not because of the setting, that's not because of the hours worked, all those were controlled for and we still have that data. There's data that shows that women physicians in primary care get more messages than their male counterparts. And I think the same is true for surgery as well. So there is disparities that exist. The other thing as well is if you look at a lot of language that's around money, it's not necessarily made with women and specifically women physicians in mind. A lot of it is like debt averse, which I'm not pro high interest debt, but I do believe that there are ways you can use debt in a way that's smart, in a way that is... Yeah, smart, efficient, and wealthy-minded to help you accelerate your journey to freedom. But a lot of the information out there doesn't really talk to us as people that have averaged high debt. But even specifically as women, it doesn't speak to us. The other thing that I've found is this. And I've had people reach out to me and ask if they can join my community, and they're not physicians. They may be, you know, maybe nurses, maybe nurse practitioners, maybe physician assistants, you know, even like, you know, PhD non-physicians. But here's what I found. As physicians, when we're in environments where non-physicians are, we, because of the role that we feel as service-minded people, we stop, we decrease, we start serving instead of receiving. So I don't allow non-physicians into my community because you're coming in to be served. And I found the same to be true as well, that when I have the conversations, including talks in communities where we have men and women, a lot of times women. Are, we tend to be service-oriented, right? And the men tend to over-control the conversation. And so 
I just want a place where women can get served so that we can come into understanding that the languages around money can be different from us. We may be heart and service oriented, but that doesn't mean that we cannot have money and build our six, seven figures and beyond net worth. So I love my community this way. I have zero plans of changing it, but men that are, that want to learn from me, they can absolutely through my podcast and also by following me on social media and Instagram and, and Facebook. So they can also get transformed as well. Thank you. And you're very generous. You've got a lot of content out there that people can consume, certainly the podcast and, and webinars that you do and, and your book. So there, there are many opportunities. I appreciate what you said. The reality is that messages are different. Messaging is different to women and men. And, and many times the community has to feel safe for people to be able to really get the most out of it. So, I mean, I'm part of your community. It's a great place. So I, I definitely recommend it. No, thank you. I love having you there. And that, and I, when I talk to women physicians and, you know, right now we're in the middle of the five day money challenge where women are coming together and just taking actions every day, making moves. And it's just humbling, to be honest with you, to, to teach in there, to, to help women do the things that we know we have the capacity. I know we have the capacity to do, but when I see like comments from the women that are in there about what they've done in just five days, when I read the things from our women physicians, like that environment is the environment is important. Like, you know, we know that to be true for plants and trees. We know that you cannot take a plant in California and take it to like Alaska and think it's going to grow. The environment matters. And if we know that we have example of that in nature, why can't we incorporate that as well? And I found that that is true. Women come in that are like, well, my money looked like a like scrunchie that is at the bottom of a purse. You know how like the scrunchie scrunchie is not like looking good. And now it's like they're having it decluttered. They're having it organized. It's making sense. They're taking a pause. They're traveling. They're living their lives while serving humans. Like we don't have to burn out. Like I, I, I literally unsubscribe from the narrative that in order to serve, we have to burn out. I unsubscribe from the narrative that in order to serve, I have to be poor to do that. In fact, me with money, I can serve way more people right? Like think about the things you want to change in this world. And how many times you're like, man, that, that, that sucks. Now imagine what would be different. Like that sucks. And I can do something about it. Mm -hmm. That sucks. And I can, the person that's running may not have the finances, but I can actually pay to augment their stuff. Like that's what we're here for. We're not just here for words. We're here for action. We're here mm -hmm. to be part of a change. And I cannot think about better people than physicians. So when I'm tired, when I'm like, mm, I don't want to, I remember all this. And I'm like, no, we, we got work to do. So if you're listening to my voice, you're listening. I'm glad you serve in the hospital. I'm glad you're serving in the research department, doing whether it's clinical or bench work. That stuff matters. But don't be confused to think that that is all you're here to do. I reject that for you because your life is of so much value even much more than you can ever imagine. Like if you think that the ladder, like the peak of the ladder is the best you have to do, the best you have to create, I'm telling you that that peak is, could just be like a turn. It could just be like the corner of the street because you're just not seeing far enough yet. And this is really important because it goes beyond just money. It goes, extends to our lives because people will, physicians, let's be real. We have like one of the highest suicide. And it's not all because we're like, we were depressed to start. No, it's because we've, we've anchored our identity to the thing that says, this is all I can do. And the more we understand that this is just one 
of the hundreds of things you have the capacity to do, the less dependent we are on that source of employment, which means that maybe we can actually decrease the amount of physicians that are hurting ourselves. This is conversation that I wish we had more of. Unfortunately, we're not, but I'm kind of like, I'm done with the status quo. It's not working. So this is beyond, this is money and more. This is our lives, our freedom, our kids, the people that literally are not even born yet that you're meant to impact. So yeah, I will have that uncomfortable conversation. And yes, I will talk about money forever because it, it does matter. I, I hear you. And I also hear deeper than that is, is the freedom to be everything you can be. And money is one of the tools that allows you to do that. Yes. One of the physicians was, I mean, I took a sabbatical with my family and I'm calling it a sabbatical, not because it's like a work sabbatical, but it's a family sabbatical. Like my family decided that we wanted to take an extended sabbath. That's what it was. We wanted to take an extended time to rest, to, to silence the external, to deepen our roots, to spend time with each other, deepen our relationship. Cause I think life is about so much more, right? And I quit my job to do that, not because my job said they wouldn't let me, but because I did not know how long I was going to want to be gone for. And I did not want anybody sending me emails to asking me to sign forms or asking me, so are we there yet? Are we? I just did not want that. And what that meant was quitting. But it's hard to quit when, you, when your identity is like stuck on one thing. And that's why this, this detaching our identity from what we do is so important mm -hmm. because the the more we do that, the healthier we're gonna be. And I cannot, I cannot tell you, number one, because I cannot even tell you in the amount of time we have, but also because even I am still understanding the impact of the sabbatical that we took as a family. Mm -hmm. Because it's life given in a way that nothing else has given us life. Mm -hmm. We wanted to go to nine countries, we ended up in nine, 19 countries. You know, we were present for things in across the world. Like we were there for like 90th birthday of distant family members. We were there for like my sister's baptism. We were there for like my dad's three-year remembrance. My husband, like, we just, we were there for just like us. We met friends, like we did things we've never done before. We mm. had conversations. It was just what we did not even know that we needed. And mm. the only reason why we were able to was because we had taken care of the money stuff mm. before we even knew that a sabbatical was something that we even wanted. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. even more so was because we had done the work of learning how to understand money, know money, grow money, diversify our income, but even deepen our relationship with ourselves and our identity that is way beyond the work that we do every day. That is so beautiful and so well said. And I think I think it's a good point at which to wrap things up. But I do want to give you the last word. We've talked about a lot of things. What is one thing that you haven't talked about yet that you feel like it's important to share? You know, I think that it's important for us to draw a line in the sand and decide that our past is the past. And whatever it is that is like, but I don't know how to yet, but I didn't. So what, right? And just understand that the reasons, the excuses, the stories that we've told ourselves is the reason why we're creating exactly where we are right now. So if you want something different, if you want to practice, if you want to love medicine more, if you want to do your research wholeheartedly without fear, 
and knowing that you could be anywhere else, but I choose to be here, then it's time for you to ask yourself, what do you need to build that confidence? And if money is it, know that it's not too late. I did not learn any of this until seven years ago. I've had the joy of serving people that are in their 50s, right? It is not too late for you, right? This is the youngest you're ever going to be. But just ask yourself, what do I need? Who do I need help from? What do I need to surround myself with? And understand that it may require you putting earplugs around the people that have been talking into your life so far and removing your earplugs and finding a different environment for you to be fed into. And if that's something that you want, you know, reach out. It's moneyfeedmd.com. There's a contact form there. I'm always happy to serve physicians because I know we have capacity to serve so many other people that I would never, ever be able to reach. So my goal is to empower physicians so that people like you can do the work that they're doing and serving people in ways that I would never be able to serve them. That's so awesome. So beautiful. And thank you. Thank you. Money's important. We can. We can master it. We need to. And there's information and resources. And certainly your community is a great place for, for those that, in my community who are women. So you've heard Dr. Latifa. You got to understand money. Money is important. Don't ignore it anymore. You can learn. You're able to. Thank you for joining us today on today's episode, Dr. Latifa. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. And for everyone else, we'll see you again the next time on the Clinician Researcher Podcast. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clinician Researcher Podcast, where academic clinicians learn the skills to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. If you found the information in this episode to be helpful, don't keep it all to yourself. Someone else needs to hear it. So take a minute right now and share it. As you share this episode, you become part of our mission to help launch a new generation of clinician researchers who make transformative discoveries that change the way we do.